attention, please. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia. What has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Louis Price Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, Bill Molinax, My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined the dance All right, greetings and good morning and welcome aboard. And of course, welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndo Co. The Barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. You see their commercials in our show every day. Those are real. Those houses you see, that's that's right. They're real. You could have the coolest house on the block or in the area, I promise you. If you've not seen what a barn dominium looks like, it's not a barn and it's not a condominium. It's a barn dominium. We call them that for a reason. Uh, make sure you head to the barndominiumco.com. The Carolinas, Georgia, Tennessee, build your dream house for as low as $160 a square foot. And guess what? Yeah, they're Gamecock owned and operated as well. JC, JB, and Phil, we're also Gamecock owned and operated here. We're here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. South Carolina falls again last night at home in a midweek contest, their final one of the season heading into the final series of the regular season against Tennessee. Tomorrow night is when it starts at Founders Park, and boy, they're in desperate need of some wins if they want to secure a regional hosting spot. Not long ago, they were maybe the best team in college baseball. No more, though. Uh, With the 11-9 loss last night, pitching was – Atrocious, to be honest with you, uh, and uh, and offensively they've just got some issues. They still have to continue to work out if they can do it. Uh, also, a rough day on the recruiting front. A couple of running backs commit elsewhere. Sharko is headed to Kentucky. Diggs is headed to LSU. That was expected uh, by many. Shane Beamer and his staff. The fact that they were even in it that long, from what I understand, is is quite a remarkable feat uh, for that staff. So we'll certainly talk about those couple of things today. EA Sports is bringing back football and your favorite players starting next year. You won't have to continue to play the 2014 college football game anymore if you haven't heard, and you'll actually see the names in there. You don't have to actually go and edit the whole team like some people like to do. But all of that today will take a major backseat to the guest that will join us in 13 minutes in our Born to Crow Carolina Conversation Series. He's the best catcher to ever put on the uniform 
at the University of South Carolina, and he goes by the name of Landon Powell. He's also, of course, the head baseball coach and national championship winning baseball coach at North Greenville University here in the upstate of South Carolina. He's a former first-round draft pick of the Oakland A's. He caught a perfect game in a partridge in a pear tree, but all of that is a backseat in his story to his personal life and what he has been through uh, with his daughter, Izzy, and the rest of his children, what he has gone through personally with his health issues and so on and so forth. Landon Powell's story is one of the great stories in sports. And uh, we are really going to have an unbelievable conversation with him here in just a little bit. Can't wait for that. If you grew up like I did, you wanted to be Landon Powell. Uh, he was he was something to see back there behind home plate at the Sarge in Columbia. So looking forward to getting him back or getting him on here in just a little bit. Uh, they will begin the D2 playoffs tomorrow night as they host a regional up at North Greenville. Maybe Phil will be out there and paint his chest for everybody and uh, send us a photo to air on Friday morning. But with all of that said, good morning to Phil, classic Phil, and good morning to the man, the myth, and the legend, Mr. J.C. Schubert. By the way, we forgot Phil's birthday this week. Oh, son of a nut. Yeah, I mean, we, we, me and Jamie actually yes- talked about it. I know. Yeah, that, that was, was Monday, yesterday, I think. Or Monday. Monday. Monday, yeah. yeah. Monday. So That's happy right. birthday, Phil. Damn it, Phil. I mean, I, and then I, then I actually, I, once we got off on Monday, I texted him. I was like, damn, I forgot your birthday. Oh. And uh, then I forgot it yesterday, too. So uh, <laughs> happy birthday, Phil. I mean, Sorry, chances Phil. are on my birthday, we're never going to have a show because my birthday's the day after Christmas. So, mm. but that gummit, we, we, we missed it. And, uh, and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very sorry, Phil. Cause I mean, <laughs> Uh, uh, Phil's good at keeping up with birthdays, and and, and I guess I'm just not. So, um, but I hope you had a wonderful day on Monday, Phil. I did, I did. I don't know about how good I am at keeping up with birthdays, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Clint goes Gamecock baseball is bad enough. Forgetting Phil's birthday is unacceptable. It is. And I've, been kicking, I've been kicking myself for that, but uh, uh, and I should have, I, I should have said it. So I wanted to say that. I, I, you know, we, that's just, that's ridiculous. It's, and I'll put the blame on myself because. Yeah, I was kicking myself, man. (laughs) Stop. And then yesterday to follow up with. Advertising it or anything, you know. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Happy 30th. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Yeah. 30. uh, Happy 30. 30. (laughs) The ripe old age of 30. So. He's in Vegas. So it's either early or he's still up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what it was at eight ten a.m. out in uh, beautiful Las Vegas. A friend of mine's actually out in Las Vegas. I told him to scout out a cheap place for me to get married by Elvis mm. uh, because Annette just is in the background. Just heard me say that. And went, oh my god! <laughs> but th- that's you where said, I'm leaning. You said Mark is in Vegas. Mark is yes. in Vegas. Uh, Mark from the chat box. And, Speaking uh, of Eric. Vegas, happy birthday, <laughs> <to> Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if, if if we if that would be us if we lived like in, in L.A. and could drive to Vegas, that would be us. Yeah, it would <laughs> classic. Phil. That'd, that'd be that'd be Phil on the phone to Dina right now. They're classic. <laughs> Wolves. Yeah, that's hey. a, uh, that, that's JC tomorrow. JC, there he is, right there. That's that's JC yeah. up against the car. Yeah, oh, 
man. What a movie. Anyway, no but doubt. yeah, it's uh, it's something else. So, classic, uh, film. classic film. So, but uh, anyway. <clears throat> Oh man! Well, well um, I tell you what, we'll do. we will make sure. Uh, believe me, boys and girls, we'll get into a lot of the running back stuff, and there's nothing really to get into. They didn't land it, but we will talk about that today. But we're not gonna, we're not going to try to cram it in here in the next five minutes. We want to make sure we get out in time to get Landon in. Um, but uh, before we do get Landon in, we can certainly recap what happened last night at Founders Park, which really is not much of a recap either because South Carolina falls 11-9 to uh, to Charlotte. It's their second loss of the year to the 49ers, and it's a really tough loss at a tough time. Um, South Carolina, had they, they have to have a, a good week, and, and they're, they're not off to a good start. Uh, with that loss, if they want to host a regional, I mean, let's just be honest here. I mean, there's now they sit at 37 and 15. Um, the pitching last night was terrible. Um, you know, they had uh, six walks in the game. They did have a, a ton of strikeouts, which is, which is great, but they also walked six guys in Charlotte tallied 15 hits. That's 21 base runners and they scored 11 runs. And once again, you know, South Carolina answers. Thomas Lee Croy has an unbelievable at bat, an unbelievable at bat. I mean, that is like you can't draw it up any better than that. You know, when somebody gets down 0-2, you know, here's what you do. Battle, battle, battle. Try to get a mistake and drive it. He did. He drove it out of the yard. They tie it. You think, okay, all right, let's win it late, survive, get out of here. And get to the weekend. And then, the, of course, the very next half inning, and it's been happening a lot lately, they come out and just stink it up. Chris Veach apparently maybe bangs up a hip a little bit. He was he was not good. Um, look, I'll say this, okay? You know, here's some baseball. Here's some baseball expertise for you, classic Phil. All right? They have the pitching. They have the players. Okay? They have it. Nobody's going. You can't sit here and say they don't have good players, and you can't say they don't have good pitching. They do. Kip said something last night. I literally just got done texting this in a group chat. You cannot, absolutely, cannot be scared to throw the fastball, and they are scared blankless to do it. And I don't know why. They they from a pitching. This has been happening last weekend. The starting pitching was great. I mean, Jack Mahoney was brilliant. Eli Jones stepping in on Friday night, awesome. Matthew Becker, quality start on Sunday on the road, young man. Well done. I mean, these guys were really good. But you know what they did? They pitched to both sides of the plate. They used two pitches. They used three pitches. Last night, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, change up, change up, change up, change up. Well, what do you think they're going to do? I mean, they're going to sit on it. That's what's going to happen. Right. I, it doesn't matter. They're Charlotte. They're still college hitters. I mean, I haven't picked up a bat in five years. If you're just going to sit there and spin all speed, guess what? I'm going to look for it. Mm. And chances are I'm going to hit one. Okay? I promise you. All right? You cannot continue to live like that. I don't know where it's coming from. They got to get that out of here. You get beat with your fastball, screw it. You got beat. Mm. The hell with it. Tip your cap. Move on. You cannot be scared to throw the damn fastball inside and outside. That is pitching, period. That's it. There's nothing else to it. 
If you can't throw your fastball and establish it inside and outside, you can't do it. That's it. You can't pitch. Not this league. Not at this level. Can't do it. All right? No. This team is really good. But I don't know what in the world has infiltrated this way of thinking on that side of things. And then offensively, the approach continues to just be strange because it was really good for the large majority of the year. Petri looked good last night. Felt like he kind of, when he drove that ball in the gap, that was much more him, uh, the right center gap. Um, you know, Cole Messina looked good last night, but you know, out, you know, outside of that, I mean, they're, they're, they're struggling at times that, that LeCroy at bat, like it was, there was some good and bad. There was a lot of good and there was a lot of bad, um, you know, couldn't get some hits late and this, but you score nine runs against Charlotte. You should win the game period. Okay. They they're scared to throw the, I don't know why they're scared to throw the fastball. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. Are you worried the ball's going to leave the yard at a quicker pace? I mean, here's here's the other side of it. Then they, you know, they're like, okay, well, they're not going to send it. <laughs> they're not going to throw fastballs. So we'll just, you know, hit little knocks all over the place. It's death by a thousand cuts last night, you know. I mean, which has got to be a feel a worse feeling in the long run. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, here you are. They've small balled you into 11 runs <laughs> at home. Yeah, I mean, on a Tuesday. I, yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it was Jeez. it was it was Dingleberry baseball. I mean, it, it was really, really, really frustrating to watch. They're better than that. Yeah, they know I mean, they're they better. Really than are, mm-hmm. and you know, I, yeah. I I I can't say I I I hate the Sunday morning, you know, coaching and stuff like that. Um, that's not me. So that's not what I don't the way I want this to come out at all. Um, I really miss the days of having an established midweek uh, midweek starter. I really miss that. I, I don't care that they play on Thursday night. You 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 got you can't lose these games. You, you're gonna always lose one or two. That's gonna happen. Happens to everybody. LSU, any team in the country, they've all lost them. Wake has. It's you're gonna lose one or two. You can't lose them now, and especially when you're playing with hosting a regional on the line. You just cannot do it. You got to take the mentality if we're going to go in there and we're going to shove it up their rear ends. If the guy that we're starting, if if, if he can't go, you, I mean, you know, if you can't get in five, six, seven innings, okay, yeah, I get it. You got to make a change. That's just baseball. That's good. It's, it's called coaching. But the, you know, this whole thing of two innings, one, two, three, I, I'd rather see him throw it in the trash. I mean, but everybody's doing it in baseball. This isn't like a knock on Coach Kingston. I mean, it's everywhere in the game. I think it sucks. But that's just me. So. Yeah, and you're having to adjust to the fact that you only got a two-day turnaround again before you fire up your weekend series. You know, it's like because you can't guarantee that's a Friday start because this week it is Thursday, right? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. get yeah one day off and then you're right back at it. So, I mean, I can understand why we threw in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pitchers. <laughs> Yeah, eight. Sam Simpson, by the eight. way, looked really good in there. Yeah, the Mc- yeah you know, mm-hmm. like the you know the McCreary situation. That you know that was interesting. I mean, of course, you don't expect Veach to go in and blow up. I mean, he's probably been your most solid guy out of the pen all year. But it just it, it you know he threw how many pitches did he throw last night? Veach twenty one. I, I bet he threw four fastballs. I mean that that doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I, I I don't know what they need to do to fix it. I mean, I think we do know, but. Hopefully they can get it fixed, and tomorrow night will be Eli Jones's night. And um, 
and we'll see from there. So, but uh, we do need to step aside. It is almost eleven twenty. I, I guess where's JC? What happened now? I'm not sure where he is, and Landon's not yet in, but we still got okay. a couple minutes here. Yeah. All right, so we'll hit a timeout, and when we return. Our Born to Crow Carolina Conversation Series continues. Remember last week, Robert Brooks, Don Ellerby, Mark Burson, another legend this week from the Diamond. We're covering every sport, seemingly, at South Carolina. Landon Powell, head baseball coach at North Greenville and the best catcher I'd ever put on the uniform at South Carolina, will join us next right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team. We're getting a couple of things lined up in the background, but until then, we will see you back here in about one minute. 
11-24 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. JC's had to step out for just a little bit to handle some business, but we are joined by the head baseball coach up at North Greenville University. He's a former catcher and first-round draft pick at the University of South Carolina, and as I've said often, and he probably will shy this away and give it to Ryan Bordenick or somebody like that, but he's the best catcher to ever do it at Carolina. Landon Powell has made some time for us in our Born to Crow series you're on inside the Gamecocks. What's up, man? Uh, not much. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm sorry for being a couple minutes late. Mm. Hope uh, hope you can hear me and see me well. I was having some technical difficulties there. Well, it can't be any worse than Monty or Wingo, because I mean I've known Monty since I was like nine years old, Landon, and I've always known that he was technologically, um, you know, troubled, but I didn't realize it was that bad. He he actually told us that when Wi-Fi came out, he had no idea what it was. He was calling it Wi-Fi for the longest time. <laughs> I don't surprise me. He's more comfortable sitting in a tree stand with a with a you know with a bow and arrow than he is probably using technology. So Wingo, I know you know he obviously was on my staff here for two years at North Greenville, so I know him very well as also. And uh, he he's uh, he's a character. He's hilarious. So. I've uh, I've seen him get pretty angry at his phone before because he can't figure out something. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I was on my university Wi-Fi uh, or Wi-Fi as we could call it, and uh, the the firewall wasn't letting me log on, so I had to finally just disconnect from. So I'm on I'm on five G right now. So hopefully that works all right. Ah, uh, you'll be all right, dude. Uh, Coach Lake generally joins us from a truck in the middle of the woods somewhere, so it's fine. <laughs> We're, we'll, uh, we'll 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 figure it all out. But uh, man, we really do appreciate it. We. Um you know, we're, we're going to – we will keep you as long as you'll let us keep you. We generally try to, you know, put in about 20 minutes or so and get through as much as we can. Landon, we'll, we'll start with what's present, and then let's go – you know, the point of this this um, this segment that we do now every week is to take people through the lives of the greatest ever do it at Carolina. And, um, and so we certainly want to go back as far as we can with you. Uh, there's so many different things to discuss in your life and in your career. Um but let's get to the present day real quick because you got a game to coach tomorrow night. Y'all are the number one seed, and you're the defending national champions at the D2 level. And uh, tomorrow night you're going to play at 730. You've got the winner of Mount Olive and Georgia Southwestern at home. Uh, so kind of walk us through your regional real quick here and, and what you what you know about those two guys and whoever you get, what that matchup may look like. I bet he got a call. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. He probably you, did. There, am you. I still here? You're yeah. back. Am I all right? A phone call. Someone, yeah, someone beeped in, so yeah. I had to exit real quick. So hopefully that won't happen anymore. Um, no, it's it's going to be a gauntlet. Our regional is really tough. You know, Division two does it differently than Division one. Um, it's 
in Division One, the top 16 national seeds, no matter where they're located or anything, they're going to get in and host. Division Two, it's all based on where you are, your location, regional. Um, so our, we're in the southeast region, which is, I would say, arguably the best region in, in Division Two baseball by far. Um, you know, m- most teams in the top 25 in this region. Um, so only two teams from our region get to host. Doesn't matter, you know, even though we have eight teams in the top 25, only two of them are going to host just because it's done in the region. And then like the Northwest or the Northeast region who may have zero teams in the top 25, they also will get two teams that host. So it's just done differently. It's a lot, lot harder to host at this level. Um, we've got 40 teams in our region and only two of them get to host. So we've been fortunate. This is our fifth year in a row hosting. So that's a pretty unprecedented run. We're really proud of that. Um, it's always better to play at home in the postseason for sure. Um, this year we get to host Mount Olive and Georgia Southwestern. So I would say it's probably the toughest region um, um, maybe in the country as far as regional goes. Um, you know, we won the conference regular season and we've been ranked number one in the country. Mm-hmm. Probably another one. Yeah. That's <laughs> typically typically what happens when they black out the screen. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, did, he lose, did he lose it? He'll be right back in. Yeah, he'll he'll pop back in here. And just, yeah. just Well, he had mentioned to me yesterday that the um, – that the uh, the Wi-Fi and the computer up there were a little iffy. I thought, man, winning a national championship, they sure are pinching you, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with the infrastructure up here in the northern part of Greenland County. <laughs> I'm surprised this 5G is working that well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. And uh, what is it? Tigerville, South Carolina, right? That's right. That's right. Lovely the, Tigerville. The home of the of the, of the the Crusaders. But as we're getting him back here, um, you know, North Greenville is 44 and 8. So if they win the Southeast Regional number one, which he's discussing, they'll get the winner of Southeast Regional number two, which is hosted at Newberry. Um, with, I mean, just it's amazing what that what's what they've done with that program there, Coach Triplett. Uh, Forty-one and thirteen are the Wolves, and they've got uh, UNC Pembroke tomorrow night, and uh, so they're going to try to work their way through and get a get a date with the Crusaders. That would certainly be something here in South Carolina. Um, so, um, yeah, but five years in a row is just yeah. Nuts. When he said that, I didn't realize it had been that many. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. And then the other thing that I found glaringly interesting was the little jump man on that uh, <laughs> North, on North his... Greenville. Apparently, is a jump man school. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we got Landon back. Here he is. Funny, right. funny how that works out. Yeah, yeah there, is, there he is. Oh, all right. Okay. All right, guys. I'm so sorry. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, no, you're yeah, great. Man. You're coming in loud and clear, looking even better, right. man. Yeah. So what I've just done, I, I got rid of my cell phone. I threw it off a cliff and I'm on my iPad now. So I don't think I'll get any more phone calls on my iPad. It doesn't receive phone calls. So one of the, you just got a little uh, behind the scenes look at what it's like to be a college baseball coach. Your phone never stops ringing like it. And I should have known before I even got on here with you guys that I shouldn't have done it on my phone because uh, in the, in the three minutes we were on, I had three phone calls. So um, the phone is away. I'm on my iPad. Hopefully, we will have no other distractions or interruptions. I apologize. I don't. I hate to mess up your show like that. No, dude, you're no, fine. Not at all, man. You're you're, you're fine. I I, I kind of went through the bracket while you were gone and and how it might advance. 
But I, I have a I, I got a question for you. How have you done it, Landon? Five straight years being a host? Yeah, it's just we've had a good run. We've had some great players. I, I have a senior class right now that's been remarkable. Um, some some incredibly good players. Some of the greats that probably I mean my my catcher I think can go down as maybe the greatest Division two baseball player of all time. I mean the resume he's put together Ooh. has been incredible. His name's John Michael Fail. Um, he, he was 5A state player of the year in South Carolina at a Boiling Springs High School, and we were able to steal him away from some some Division ones. and he really believed in what we were doing here at North Greenville, so came to play for me. And uh, in his career, he was he was National Freshman of the Year and a first-team All-American as a freshman. Um, sophomore year, he was National Player of the Year by Perfect Game and another first-team All-American. Last year as a junior, was a first-team All-American. He's been a four-team All-Conference guy, a four-year All-Conference guy. Um, and he's won a, a conference championship all four years, and he won a national championship last year. He's been conference player of the year, region player of the year, national player of the year. And by the way, this season he broke the all-time Division II RBI record, which would had been held for 30 years, and he broke the all-time Division II home run record, which you know had been around for a long time. So this guy's resume, he's probably the greatest Division II baseball player of all time. And he's a homegrown kid right here from South Carolina, and uh, he'll he'll go play some professional baseball after this year. He's had a remarkable career. So guys like him, as as well as several others, have just been incredible players that we've been able to build this program around. And um, yeah, I, I, I like to win. I like to have fun. Um, I, I uh, the way we run our program, I think the environment we've built it uh, it, it creates a really competitive atmosphere. And these guys come in and and they. They're not satisfied. They don't get complacent. They want to win at all costs all the time. And, you know, I, I, uh, that's kind of how I'm wired. So I think that's probably why we've had the success we've had. We've had great players trust in us and want to come here and be a part of what we're doing. But also we show up every single day with a competitive fire in us. And uh, we, we just want to keep winning and having fun doing it. So um, I learned that stuff from a great coach myself, Coach Tanner. And uh, mm-hmm. at that ball field right there behind you, Sarge Fry. A lot of yeah. great memories at that field. And, you know, every single day of practice, what I can say about Coach Tanner is he showed up in full uniform, ready to compete. There were no days off. There were no, um, you know, you didn't take it easy or, or there was zero complacency in that man. And uh, as a guy that played for him for four years, that helped instill that in me. And uh, I've tried to carry that throughout my coaching career as well. So, you know, Landon, for, well, first of all, to back up everything you just said here, uh, John Michael Fails numbers. Uh, Somebody's about to drive off the road when I read these. A career 397 hitter. Career 397 hitter. That's five seasons worth of baseball. You got to remember 2020 was cut short after 22 games played. Uh, I mean, this, well, I don't know what happened to him this year. He totally fell off the map, only hitting 338 with 14. <laughs> yeah, he's had a bad year. Seven ribbies. And this is insane. <laughs> 75 career home runs and 320 career RBI. Those are I mean, all. Those are all time records for Division Two baseball. That's so. that's insane. I mean, I, I'm going to call smoke after this and be like, Justin, who you hit? You only hit 63. I mean, this kid. Justin did it in three years, so pretty pretty <laughs> incredible that he did that. And John Mike's yeah. done it in four, but um, no, it's yeah. what this guy's done here is remarkable. And you know what, people, if anybody's ever been up here to Tigerville where we play, it's not a hitter friendly ballpark. I mean, the wind blows in most of the time. So the fact that he's done that at this ballpark. Even more incredible. So, also a great catcher. He calls his own game, but he's just one of our many puzzle pieces. I mean, John Mike has had an incredible career, but 
you know, uh, our right fielder, Mark Kloop, won conference player of the year last year. He played for the Czech Republic in the World Baseball Classic, was the three-hole hitter for Czech Republic. He's a incredible player himself. Our center fielder, Pat Monteith, um, grew up in Charleston. Um, his grand his grandmother was the first African-American to ever graduate from the University of South Carolina. So that's a or African-American female to ever graduate from South Carolina. So that's a big deal. He's a He's got a good name in the state of South Carolina. And uh, Pat had a, an incredible year this year also, hitting close to you know 370 with 17 home runs. And I think he led the conference in runs and walks. So we have a lot of really good players uh, pitching. We have a guy named Reese Fields, uh, grew up right there uh, near Columbia, went to Great Collegiate Academy. Um, he, he was national. Let's see, last year he was uh, conference pitcher of the year and All-American and was the College World Series MVP last year. And he's followed it up this year. He's 12 and two and having an, um, another remarkable season. So um, we, we've had a lot of good players come through here and have, uh, I've been proud to coach him. And I and, uh, think they've had a great experience and they've won a lot. And that's what it should be about. Yeah, that explains the 44 and eight record. This is the best record in the country in D2 baseball. And for those of you that want to see all those guys play, it's a 7 30 first pitch tomorrow night at North Greenville. They'll, he'll get, they will get the loser of game one, which is between Mount Olive and Georgia Southwestern, as Landon stated earlier, pretty pretty loaded. Landon, I want to go back a minute because um, you mentioned Coach Tanner, who we're certainly going to talk about. He's, uh, you know, probably the the greatest thing never happened to this state in the game of baseball, uh, how, how he's influenced the state in so many levels. Um, you grew up in Apex, right, and – and um, I think one of the one of the things that's interesting about you and your life is <laughs> th- this never of all the things you've done, this is something that always gets glossed over. You were little league teammates with Josh Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, number one, like, did y'all ever lose a game ever? And uh, and do, are you do y'all still talk? Are you, are you still buddies with him? Yeah, yeah. So we did lose some games, uh, which is hard to believe. But we, we played in West Raleigh Little League, which back then and still today is, is the best Little League around that area. But back then it was a really competitive Little League where, you know, uh, in today's world, if you go to Little League and sign up, like you're on a team. Like they don't do tryouts and they don't cut kids. You know, back then there was 300 kids that would show up for tryouts and only 100 of them were going to make the league. I mean, it was like a it was a very competitive thing. And so I lived in Apex, which was 30-something minutes away from West Raleigh Little League. And we drove all the way there to play. My dad had played in that league when he was little. And we met a – you know, my dad knew a guy named Tony Hamilton who had a team and uh, had a son that was a, a 10-year-old. And uh, he asked my dad, uh, uh, me as a 9-year-old, wanted to join his team. And so that's when I first met Josh and started playing with him. And um, we were both shortstops and pitchers. Um, and what would happen is Josh would pitch – and the catcher couldn't catch him. He threw so hard. So when he walked somebody, the, the next three pitches would go to the backstop and a run would score. And, uh, you know, we would lose some games like Josh would throw no hitters and we would lose because guys would just score every time they got on base. So his dad actually went to my dad and said, hey, I have an idea. How about when Josh pitches, we, we put Landon behind the plate and see if he can catch him. And um, and that that was history. That's, that's how I became a catcher. I never left the position after that. So I can either – I've told Josh this many times. I can either thank him or blame him. I'm not sure which one it is for me being a catcher. Uh, my, I, I, you know, when I think about my career and the things I was able to experience, I thank him. But when I get out of bed in the morning and try to walk around, I, I blame him. So, um, but yeah. So Josh and I played little league baseball, 
Pop Warner football and rec basketball together, all on the same teams. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was amazing to grow up with him and see, you know, firsthand a guy like him that, that, you know, he's, he's just a freak. I mean, God gifted him to be an athlete and the things that he could do on a sports field were just, you know, incredible. I, I got to, I got to chase him and follow him. And I think a lot of the, you know, being on the same teams with him is one of the reasons I became a good player because I got to see firsthand what a, you know, what a superstar was like every day. And we, 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 we'd go up to the high school field and hit together. And, you know, we'd, we'd go, uh, you know, he'd come over my batting cage and hit in the yard with me. So I was just constantly chasing him and trying to, you know, be as good as him. And I wasn't, I was nowhere as talented as him, but it helped me become a good player. And, and just, you know, it's that iron sharpens iron kind of mentality. So, um, Here's a picture. I was going to pull up a picture of us in Little League, and you maybe could see um, Josh and I on the same team. Here's a here's one. I don't know if you guys can see that. Let me bring up on my camera. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm right there in front, yeah. and Josh is circled in red right there. That's Josh. So that was in the state championship we won. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> it, it was a uh, it was a great experience. I do still keep in touch with him. You know, he's retired. He lives down in Texas on a ranch. Um, oh, raising his yeah. daughters down there. He's got a bunch of Brahma bulls and, and like high fenced uh, pastures where he does a lot of hunting and stuff. So he's, he's living a good life right now. I know that smoke enjoyed playing with him when they are in, were in Texas together. He said that he was just an incredible teammate, great dude and the whole nine yards, you know, um, here's Josh and I playing pop Warner football. What so, position did you play in football? I was yeah. a quarterback. I was oh. a quarterback, and Josh was a uh, running back wide receiver. And hey, were y'all, I was were y'all orange, good? I was an orange soda guy, and he was a grape soda guy, as you can tell. <laughs> the, in the <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when, did you, uh, when did you first cross paths with Coach Tanner? So, uh, very young. Um, Coach Tanner and my dad had played against each other in high school ball and Legion ball growing up. Uh, so they they knew each other, and, and uh, my dad became an ACC umpire when he finished his college career, started umpiring games. And uh, so I was maybe five or six years old, and he was doing an NC State game. And uh, he, he threw me in the car with him and said, come to the game. And um, I think he was going to have me sit up in the stands with some people he knew or something. But Coach Tanner said, hey, just have him come bat boy in the dugout. Coach Tanner always loved that. He loved to have – uh, kids in the dugout bat boring, you know, bat boring. He didn't do a lot of colleges do the college girls, you know, that sit there on the on deck circle, which maybe when I was a player, I would have enjoyed that. I don't know, but um, he always did the, the young kids, which I love. He, he's instilled love for a lot of kids to have in, in the game of baseball. And I think I can speak to that personally growing up in a dugout around a bunch of college baseball players. It made me want to play the game. So um, that's the first time I really met him is when I was bat boying uh, five or six years old when my dad was umpiring. And uh, and then Coach Tanner kind of extended that offer. Hey, anytime you come to a game, come to the dugout and bat boy. So I started doing it all the time. I bet I, I bat boyed probably 15 games a year. And uh, Josh Hamilton did it with me a couple times. I brought him and he bat boyed a little bit. Um, he was an NC State fan. He actually committed to NC State before getting drafted. Um, but so I, I grew up around Coach Tanner there, and then I went to all the NC State baseball camps as a kid. And uh, you know, I, I think I was seven or eight years old, and I won the the hitter of the camp award, and that was a big deal. It was a trophy I had in my room all growing up. I was really proud of. And uh, so then, when I was maybe thirteen years old, um, Coach Toman, who was Tanner's assistant, asked me. Uh, you know, he told my dad, "Hey, tell him to bring some catcher's gear." And uh, 
So Coach Tillman started working me out, doing some catching stuff. I was in eighth grade. They put me back behind the in batting practice, and I had to sit there and catch during batting practice, which is not very fun to do, but it was a, a good learning tool for me. And then I'll never forget one day, I've told this story a bunch of times, but one day Coach Tillman grabbed me and said, all right, let's go down to the bullpen. And I had my catcher's gear on. I walked down there. I'm in eighth grade. And uh, I'd been with the team all year. I was kind of a member of the team that year. I, I would go to all the games, and I would bat boy and bullpen catch and everything. So this was before I'd ever called a bullpen. He walked me down there, and there's a guy named Corey Lee, who was a second-round draft pick. He pitched in the big leagues with the Rangers. And um, Corey was getting ready to throw his bullpen, and Coach Tillman said, all right, jump in there and catch him. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't – this guy's throwing 90 miles per hour, and I'm in, I'm in eighth grade. And uh, Coach Tillman said, jump in there, let's go. And uh, I was terrified. And, uh, and he, he said these words, which were a big impact on my career, whether he knew it or not. But he said, uh, you'll figure it out. You'll either get good or you'll get hurt, but you'll figure it out. And that, that was a great teaching tool for me as a catcher. Like, I got to catch this ball if I don't want to get hurt. And learning how to catch the ball so that it didn't hurt, hurt me or hit me at that age, it was a, you know, it was kind of a, I was thrown in the fire there and I had to figure out how to survive. And it helped me tremendously. That year of my career, learning how to catch college pitchers in eighth grade, it elevated my game as a catcher so much. And that set me on a path to become a really good high school player and eventually a college and, and, and pro player. So well, that makes me I, feel a lot better. That's yeah. how I taught my daughter to catch. Oh, oh, you, <laughs> oh, you're protect yourself. Either. Yeah, yeah. That's you're, no, you're not, not, not being a catcher, but yeah, just to catch, yeah, just to catch a softball or whatever. I'm like, no, listen, you're either going to get hurt or you're going to learn how to catch it. <laughs> Na- natural selection. That's sometimes the best teaching. Yeah, that right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, we could, I could hijack this conversation because I was a catcher too, Landon, and um, and. When I was a kid watching you, I'm not going to hijack it, by the way. I'm saying I could because we could talk catching all day. Um, and and we talked to Coach Lake about this a lot. You know, I see a lot of things. I, I don't know that guys are very well taught these days anymore. I, it just it doesn't seem like it used to be. Um, and I want to ask you about a couple of those things in a minute. But but being a catcher is, is, is rewarding and it's hard in the whole nine yards. Um, and – you were the best. Like when I was, I was a few years behind you. So like when I was at Wando watching, watching the way you did things, how fluid you were, how you handled a staff and most importantly, how you handled the staff, you know, cause they trusted you. I learned from a guy landing uh, Johnny crib. who told me, he said, there's guys on the mound have to trust you more than they trust themselves. Cause they're not always going to trust themselves. And you got to be able to walk out there and make sure that they do it. So when, when, as you grew as a catcher, the guy you caught some, guys you caught man like matt campbell and, and all these dudes i mean they were they were so good you know what what was your relationship like with them at south carolina when y'all were in the bullpen when you were when you were in the game and you walked out to the mound you know d- did you speak did they speak kind of walk us through that that relationship you had with all these guys when y'all played you know early in my career um and growing up in a college dugout i, I kind of learned these things so uh, I, I think i was i was very well prepared going into college, kind of how to act and how to be. And um, I'd watched some great catchers and, and grew up paying attention to them. So as a freshman, you know, I, I skipped my senior year of high school and I didn't arrive in Columbia until January. So I'd miss the whole fall. Most freshmen get in there in the fall and they get, you know, that's when they get beat up and abused and kind of uh, initiated to the team. And, you, you know, uh, you earn your stripes and you earn your respect. I didn't have an opportunity to do that in the fall. So I just showed up in January and here we go. We start playing February 5th and 
I've only been with the team for three or four weeks. So, and I started the first game of the year, which kind of put a target on my back. Like I better perform. That's a big deal for a, a kid to come right out of high school, he's supposed to be a senior and he's starting in the SEC. Um, the first game of the year, I was catching Kip Balknight, who just won the Golden Spikes Award. So, I mean, what was I going to say to Kip? You know, I was going to go out there and tell him what he's doing wrong or what he should do differently. No, like I was, uh, I was listening to Kip. I was keeping my mouth shut and listening and doing everything I could. Um, that first game didn't go so well. I did, it did offensively. We actually won four to two. It was my first college game, and uh, I had a home run and a double and three RBIs, and we won four to two against I think it was Virginia Military Academy, maybe. And um, or VMI, v- VCU, one of those. Um, and I didn't catch well, though. Kip had a slider that had, was backing up a little bit. I'd never really seen a backup slider and didn't know how to catch it. And I think I had three pass balls in that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the game gets over. I'm doing, like, the, the TV interview. I'm feeling like big man on campus. I had a couple RBIs and a home run my first game. I go get on the bus. And, uh, you know, we won. We're, we're all celebrating stuff. But Coach Tanner says, Landon, come here. And so I, I walk up there and he makes me sit next to him in his seat. And he goes, uh, how you think he probably doesn't like I tell this story, but it's the truth. Um, he goes, uh, how you think you did? I was like, ah, I did pretty good coach. I got, you know, home run. We won a good first game. And he didn't smile. He was like, you had three pass balls. If you can't catch, you can't play. Get back to your seat. And he'd all, he always had that tough love with me because we knew each other for yep. so long. But he was letting me know right then, like, hey, you can hit all you want, but I need a defensive catcher. I need a guy that can control the pitching game, I mean, the running game, control the staff, and and stop the ball behind the plate. Like, he needed a defensive catcher. So the next day, he started fifth-year senior Tim Whitaker. All right, so I had a home run my first-ever college game, and the next day didn't start. And uh, Tim Whitaker, fifth-year senior, who I think at that time was a 200 career hitter maybe, Tim went off and hit two home runs that game. All right. And then next thing you know, Tim Whitaker hit 400 with 20 home runs that year and was an All-American. <laughs> and I became yep. a, I came a backup catcher DH that year. But it, it was a great learning experience for me because I got to watch some veterans. I got to learn from Kip and Lee Gronkiewicz and some of those older pitchers. And Jim Toman worked my butt off right over your right shoulder there in those racquetball courts. Yep. And we called that the pit. And uh, he had a, a machine he would take down there. And uh, he'd get the most waterlogged baseballs he could find. And he would just shoot him at me as hard as he could shoot him. And uh, I either had to catch him or block him or, or pretend I was throwing a runner out. And uh, the amount of time I spent in that pit right above your right shoulder, you, you have no clue. And, and that's where I got better. So by the time I was a sophomore, now I could catch. I was legit. I knew what I was doing. I didn't have any more pass balls or errors. And, um, and then by the time, you know, by the end of my sophomore year, I felt like I had become a leader on the team in some ways, even though I was younger. I think yeah. my my I'd earned my credentials on the field, and so a catcher just naturally has to be a leader. You can't be very quiet or passive as a catcher, and um, and I knew that. So, but then my junior and senior year, I would really consider my I was a captain both years, and I, I felt like I, the the pitchers trusted me. They knew that if they threw a curveball in the dirt, I could block it, which was very important on our staff. If you remember, you said Mike, uh, Matt Campbell, but you know, Matt Campbell, Stephen Bondurant, Gary Bell, Chris Spigner. I mean, we were we were the university of sliders and curves. That's what yeah. USC stood for, you know, <laughs> university right. of sliders and curves. So we, all we did was bounce sliders and curves on the plate and hope people swung at them. So I had to block all the time and, uh, and I was good at it. And that helped us as a team. Our pitchers had the confidence to know that I'd smother anything. So um, you, you earn that trust. It doesn't come overnight. It, it takes time, but uh, 
I'm still close to a lot of my pitchers that I played with. I mean, David Marshbanks was one of my best friends and college roommate. We we live next door to each other now, and I still talk to most of those guys. So um, I was fortunate to be a part of a great team and great players and great coaches, and I can't be more thankful for it. How how has it changed, Landon, teaching catchers and coaching catchers? Like I watch them now. Like I mean, back in the day, you know, you were. You had to get as low as you could, right? But, you know, a guy's going and, and you got to make sure you get it out. And, but you're not, you don't have a knee on the ground. And these guys are putting their knee on the ground. They look very relaxed back there. How's it, how's it changed? You coach. Yeah, that. I'm jealous. I wish they yeah. would let us do that when I played. Yeah. So when I played, if you put your knee on the ground, they call you lazy. That's right. You know? Like, get off your knee. You're being lazy. And, uh, and I was very flexible and I could have had my knee on the ground all the time when I caught. It was very easy for me to do that. And I would even like I'd start with two knees up, and then as the pitch would be on the way, I would drop a knee, yep, and uh, and get lower kind of underneath the ball, and uh, but you know that was something that was not really allowed when I caught, and, and the game has definitely changed. You got some, you got several things I think that have happened here. So, major league pitchers are just so accurate. I mean, that's one thing they are so accurate; they can throw the ball where they want. You watch a major league game; I mean, they don't bounce many balls. Uh, they don't miss the the catcher's mitt by more than a six inches or so very often. Um, they also nowadays the, the pitchers are pitching up in the zone so much. Um, so getting on a knee, you don't have to worry about blocking as much. You, you know, the reason you didn't want to be on the knee in previous years when I was doing it is because you're anchored into the ground. It limits your mobility side to side to be able to, to move and to block a pitch. It also limits your mobility jumping out um, from a squat to throw a guy out stealing, you know, that transfer time. Well, you look at Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, they pitch up in the zone, they rarely bounce balls, and no one steals. So the, the need for the catcher to be off the knee is not, not what it used to be. Um, now, the problem is the trickle-down effect to college and high school doesn't translate. You know, you have kids in, high school game, in the high school game trying to go to their knee because that's what they see, you know, they, they see their favorite catcher in the major leagues doing. But then in high school, that pitcher can't locate like that big league guy. And he, he bounces a lot more balls. And the pitchers are not holding runners as well, and guys are stealing a lot more. So there's kind of a brokenness to catching at a youth level, in my opinion, because they're trying to do it like the big leaguers, and the yeah. pitchers aren't the same. Um, so I, my guys here at North Greenville, I allow them to go to one knee with certain pitchers that I know are accurate or hold runners well or those things. But when we have a, a different guy who may not be as accurate, they, they get off of their knees, they stay ready to block and stay ready to throw. So um, – but I love catching. It's it's the backbone of the team. And if, any good team you've ever seen, I mean, go, go look at it. Any team that's ever won a national championship, won a World Series, you better believe they got a good catcher. So, Yo, you're, you're, you're right about that. I'm glad you said what you said because I, I see a lot of that college, high school, and you're like, what are you doing? I mean, you have no body angle. You wonder why a ball that's spiked right in front of you is going to bounce left or bounce right when it should stay right there, and you're down on one knee. You can't if you can't block it, you can't be on one knee. But anyways, we we could do that all day. How much time do we have you for, Landon? I'm How good. Uh, we have our regional practice at 6 p.m. tonight, so I don't know if you have that, oh. m- that much time or not. <laughs> yeah, six hours. I'm good. We're, we're good. No, we're good. We, I got plenty of time. We're um we we would we would really love to keep you a little bit longer. Um, and I tell you what, uh, Phil, um, we'll just go through the top of the hour. I'm not gonna. We're not going to yeah, go. I can, we'll we'll work out the, yeah, the okay. logistics all right, yeah. of breaks so and all that we'll, later. We'll just do that. That's it. fine. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, Landon, in, in uh, oh, shoot, I, admit, I skipped over this. I had to ask you this. The home run you hit against North Carolina in 2004 in the Supers, 
And how far do you think that thing actually went? Because I was at the game, and I never saw it actually come down. So that was uh, was that off of Daniel? Was that off of uh, Andrew Miller? I think so. The lefty. Yeah, he's yeah. been he's been the big league big for league. ten or yeah. twelve years now. Um, I did. did that's the, that Miller was the right handed one. That's the right handed one that went on the softball field. Yeah, yep. I hit that pretty good. Yeah, you uh, did. <laughs> so I, we we uh, we kind of owned UNC back there. You know, we we ended UNC season three years in a row, and oh uh, two, oh three, oh four, or, or uh, yeah, I think that's right. So, uh, but one of those years, me and Brian Busher, I think it was oh three. Busher and I went back to back a couple, like twice in the same series, and and both of those were left handed, I believe. But no four, and they had Daniel Bard, Andrew Millard, and uh, and maybe uh, Chris Woodard, who's now the coach at UNC Charlotte. He might have been there that year too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that one off Andrew Miller, that was, that was hit pretty good. So I don't know if that, that was maybe my farthest one that I hit at South Carolina. The only other one would have been, uh, I hit one left-handed off of Luke Hochaper when he was pitching for Tennessee that, that went on the railroad tracks, they say. Um, but, uh, you know, that was a poke at the Sarge as well. So, uh, yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, the railroad tracks in the middle of the softball field, that's, that's getting out of there pretty good. Um, yeah, I just I remember I remember watching that ball leave the yard, thinking there's he he just did a lot more than hit a ball. I mean, he hurt Andrew Miller's feelings like that. That that's one of those things that you don't ever want to turn around for. Um, so so then a few years later, you're you've gotten the call. You're in Oakland, and you know where I'm going. Uh, you catch the perfect game with with Bra- with uh, Dallas Braden. Um, but but it's. I want to go into the game like into your head during that game. At what point in time, like you're a catcher, you you always know what's going on, okay? Somebody else might not know, but you know. So, like, at what point in time in the ball game did it become serious in your mind? As in, holy, we got a perfect game going here. And how did you handle that afterwards? Did Dallas know, or what was going on in the dugout? Yeah, I mean, so Dallas is uh, on the day, Dallas is a character. He's a free spirit. He's he's the life of the party, class clown. That's kind of his his personality. And uh, but the days that he pitches, he's total opposite. He's super serious, mil- militant kind of like he's at war, and he won't talk to anybody except his catcher and his pitching coach. And bet uh, you best just stay away from him. You know, just leave him alone, let him go pitch. So that's kind of his energy in the dugout is very serious, very stoic, very. Um, locked in you know I kind of I wasn't necessarily that way I just was very laid back and and kind of calm and, and nothing really got me too riled up so the game's going on I've talked to Dallas you know a hundred times at this point in his career with our we played together all through the minors and everything so you know it's just another day we're cruising along as a catcher you know especially at that age I was probably 27 28 years old at that time I mean you've been a part of a lot of no hitter perfect games through four or five six innings I mean that's happened a lot you know, they rarely ever finish, but, you know, it's not rare to be in the fifth inning and have no hits. Um, that That's happened before. So, you know, it was about the fourth or fifth. I realized he hadn't given up a hit, but, you know, then again, I'm like, okay, well, it's Dallas. Like someone's going to get a hit eventually. It's where the Oakland A's. It's a big ballpark. Dallas isn't a, a dominant major league pitcher at this point. I mean, he's a contact guy that's, that's grinding his career along. And, um, you know, but then the next thing you know, you know, he gets three or he gets three to six more outs, and it's now the sixth to seventh, and you're looking like, man, he, he could do this. I didn't realize until around the sixth or seventh that it was actually a perfect game. I just thought it was a no hitter. 
you know, and, and I was sitting there in the dugout and I'm, I, you know, saw that I'm looking at the scoreboard thinking no hits. And I started thinking there hasn't been an error and I don't think he's walked anybody. So that's when it like hit me is maybe like going, you know, right after the, maybe right after the top of the six, I'm sitting in there and I'm like, he hasn't given up any base runner. So that's a different feeling, like a no hitter to a perfect game in the, in the baseball mind. That's no hitters are cool. Perfect games are like, they don't happen like that. That never happened. So um, that's when kind of the nerve set in, to be honest with you, I was not nervous at all until I kind of realized it was a perfect game. And then I thought, Oh gosh, like we gotta, we gotta finish this thing. So nine more outs. I, I didn't know if it would ever happen. I'm a backup catcher in the major leagues. I don't get to play every day. So the thought of me being in the lineup for a perfect game is like just astronomically not going to happen. It's like when it's like winning the lottery twice, you know, and Dallas mm-hmm. Braden, was a left-handed pitcher who threw 88 miles per hour who couldn't strike anybody out. And for him to throw a perfect game would just never happen. So I, it was just one – it was a crazy day. I can't explain it to you. Um, it was just meant to be. I think God just had his hand on us and gave us that day, and, and I'm glad he did because it made a huge impact on my career. And um, It's something I can always – you know, I was a, a backup catcher most of my career. I was never a superstar or anything in the big leagues, but – you know, I was involved in one of the most memorable moments in big league history, a perfect game on Mother's Day for a guy that yep. lost his mom to cancer when he was 10 years old. I mean, you know, who could write that? So, And not to take this in a totally different direction, but not long ago, didn't Dallas say he was actually hung over that day? <laughs> yeah, Dallas was hung over a lot of days. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. sure he was hung over the so, day after. Yeah, no, he definitely was. Yeah, his all his buddies. So it was a Sunday day game, right? And oh, Dallas, uh, Dallas, they usually tried to not line Dallas's starts up on Sunday day games. Um, you got to think he was a local guy, grew up about an hour away. All of his buddies would come in town and everything. And so Fridays and Saturday nights, Dallas was having a good time. But yeah, he he was maybe not. Uh, let's let's say he was not at full capacity that morning that day. He was actually late. He showed up late. I think he missed like he missed the first couple rounds of BP. Uh, anyway, he he was running late the whole day, and but he made history. So, so who called the game? Did you call the game? Was he just nodding? And, was he just going with it the whole time, or was he? Yeah, I called. I called the game. Um, he shook me off twice. I think is what we t- we say. I haven't gone back and actually looked at how many times he shook me off. But he, you know, we we kind of joke that he's only he only shook me off like twice, and uh, one of them was a foul ball. So, uh, but yeah, I had been calling his games for so long, and. Um, yeah, we knew each other. Like the yeah. comfort level was the best it could be. Probably, we got drafted the same year. Played all the way through the minor leagues together. Um, I knew exactly how to how to set batters up with him and use his stuff the right way. And um, so he threw that perfect game. And then his very next start, I think he he uh, threw a complete game against the Angels. Maybe only gave up a run or so, but um, he had a good role there. So he was having a great season. God, I would have retired after that. I would have been like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going out on top, and, you know, that's, that's it. Um, so <clears throat> when you call a game, Landon, I know a lot of our we, – we, we have a large audience, about 6,500 or so people a day watching or listening to this program, and, uh, and there's, they love this stuff. And so it's, it's a lot easier for us to get guys like you to explain it and where they'll listen when you're catching and you're calling a game um, or, you know, if you're calling it from the dugout, you know, if you're a pitching coach or head coach, whoever's calling the game, you know, what, what is it, what is important? And, and, you know, I, I 
I mentioned something earlier, and this is just a very, 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 very minor example, and this is not to go down any type of rabbit hole with, with the Gamecocks or anything, but one of the things last night in the ball game that South Carolina was not doing well on the mound is that they were not using both sides of the plate, and it was just off speed, off speed, off speed, off speed, off speed. Well, eventually it's going to get hit. You know, and if you can't throw a fastball for a strike and you can't use both sides of the plate, you can't pitch, not at this level. So, um, you know, what is important in your mind, aside from understanding pitchers, I'm strictly talking about using an entire plate and and knowing how to do it and and what works and what doesn't. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's there's a whole lot that goes into that, but here's, here's, I'll give you a little snapshot if I can. So for me, the, the most important pitch in baseball is strike one. That's it's not a fastball or a curveball or a splitter. The most important pitch is, is strike one. Just get ahead in the count. That uh, you know, that gives you an opportunity to open some things up, to do some things differently. So ideally, you want to get ahead in the count. That might be an OO breaking ball to get ahead in the count. If you think this guy's ambushing a fastball, maybe you start him with an OO breaking ball to get ahead. But most likely, you're trying to well locate a fastball low in the zone, middle middle opposite, you know, middle outside part of the plate. Get ahead, then you can do some stuff. For me, um, if it's a a guy that likes to lean out over the plate and get his arms extended, a big power guy, um, like a like a, a Petri, Petri for South Carolina. Like if I see a, a type hitter like him, I'd want to get ahead, and then I would want to go hard in, like off the plate in. And I'm okay if we miss in for a ball. I want to move his head, move his feet, move his hips. I want him, you know, having to come off that plate a little bit and, and realize that, hey, we can blow you up in here if we want to or need to. Um, but what that does – you might get a swing and a foul ball and weak contact. Um, you might get a called strike, but most likely you're going to get him jumping back, moving back. All that does is open up everything else outside. Now he can't lean over the plate on you. So now you have a lot of options moving forward from there. Um, and, and then it's just like a, you know, it's, it's like a game. You, you, you know, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to not repeat things that you've done previously. You're trying to keep him off balance. You don't let him know what's coming, but you constantly – um, want to play that tilt game. So the tilt game is big power guys. You want to up and in soft down and away. You want them moving their body or head away from the plate and then finishing back something soft away that they can't lean over and get. Um, the other thing I would tell you, I, I, I think you can create different molds for ter- her, certain hitters. And what I mean by that is let's say you have a, a speedy lefty contact hitter. All right. He's your lead. He's the leadoff guy or nine hole or two hole for these other teams. You know, there's a, you know, Brett Gardner's or, you know, we yeah. could sit here and name a hundred of them. Speedy, lefty, contact hitter. Well, there's a certain type of way to pitch most of those guys. And they it doesn't matter what the name on their jersey is. Most of them have the same holes. They have the same weaknesses and they have the same strengths. So there's certain pitches and certain ways to set those type of hitters up. And once you learn that, you can use that against any hitter on any team. You see that little contact lefty come up there. Okay, I've got a, I've got a mold for him. I know how to attack that guy. Big power righty, like a Messina or a Petri, you know, those guys have a mold of how to attack those guys. And so that's what I learned in my career is, is uh, as I went on, you know, you learn new hitters and new guys and you, you figure out their weaknesses. And I would just always plug those things away and say, okay, I'm going to see other hitters just like this guy down the road in my career. And I'm going to remember this situation. Um, so that helps me pitch the next guy. Um, that's how you call a good game in my opinion. And, uh, for me, I was I was fortunate. I have a photographic memory. That's one of the yeah. things that God has gifted me with, and uh, it helped me in school academically. It's definitely helped me in sports. I can remember things. I can remember a pitch from two years ago in a certain count, 
And that now I fast forward to this situation and I have a similar count, similar situation. I can remember the pitch that I, that I used two years ago to get this guy and I'll use it again right now. Um, and I've just been fortunate to, to be that way my whole career and that helped me call games. So. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a special talent. Not everybody can do it. Everybody thinks they can land but they can't. Uh, Landon Powell, head baseball coach at the national championship winning North Greenville university, looking to go back to back this year. Um, we have kept him around for a long time and, and we're going to keep him a little bit longer. Um, one of the things that, uh, you have been so open about now for, oh gosh, almost gosh, what Landon 13 years is Izzy, your, your, your daughter, uh, one of your twin daughters. Um, of course you're the father to Holden. And Ellie, how wait now? So how old Ellie is? Thirteen. She's ten. T- or ten. Um, Holden's. Go ahead. Yeah, she's ten. And there's let's see, there's eleven showing some photos. There's my family. Okay, yeah, so and Holden's actually a little bigger than that now. Um, he okay. he's all of a sudden hit puberty and shot up like crazy. But he's thirteen. He's in seventh grade, and Ellie is ten. She's in fourth grade. And, well, it's and you mentioned Izzy. There's Izzy. I keep a picture of her on my desk here. So she's right here with me all the time. So, for for those that don't know the story of Izzy, and obviously we're not Landon, we're not gonna we're not going to make you uh, go through and tell that whole story. There, you can you can Google it. Um, and um, um, of course, she is uh, so much inspiration for your family. I remember when all this happened. I've got twin little girls; they're four, and um, and they have some health issues that we have been going through, and we will continue until they're at least eight years old. So I think about you often. And what your family has gone through um, um, with with Izzy, uh, but you know, I, I know it changed you as a as a as a father. Clearly, um, how how has it changed you as a as a coach? How has it changed you as as a husband? How has it changed you just in every day? You wake up the way that you go about your life. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough question. So. I would say to simplify it, you know, Izzy, my, we had twin daughters uh, that to, people can look it up in Google. Um, ESPN did a great thing at E60 called uh, the backup catcher. That's probably a great way to learn about Izzy and our story. But um, we had and twin Tom, daughters. Tom Rinaldi. I, yeah, bet, Tom Rinaldi. I bet doing that with Tom job. Rinaldi, you were like, oh, boy. you know, He's yeah, a first-class guy. We, we spent a whole day with him, and he couldn't have been more first-class. So I, I have an utmost yeah. respect for him. Um yeah. Twin daughters were born. Our daughter Izzy was born with a, a very rare genetic disease uh, called HLH, uh, hemophatocytic lymphocytic histiocytosis. And basically her immune system tried to kill um, her, her blood every day, her bone marrow, her blood cells. And, um, you know, at five, a little over five months year, uh, old, she passed away. And uh, so that, that obviously uh, impacted our family in a, in, a, in a massive way and changed us forever. You know, anytime, you know, you lose a child, there's a lot of people that have lost children and um, the pain of that, you know, for me, you know, she died in my arms. I watched her take her last breath. You know, that's something that just, it will be with you the rest of your life. You can't shake it. You can't get rid of it. And uh, it's a very hard thing to have happen, but also the time we had with her and and, and the the story around her and and what the community and, and our church and our family and people that rallied around us. Um, all of that impacted our lives in a major way. And, um, you know, my wife and I are better people because of Izzy and going through that. Um, it, it's made me a stronger person. Uh, I think it's made me a better husband, a better father. It's definitely made me a better coach. So um, the biggest thing I could take away from it is that um, 
you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed and to make the most out of today and, and to take every opportunity you get and, uh, and, and live it to the fullest and enjoy it. And so when I coach these college guys, you know, that's, I try to be present and, and, and live that. And, uh, you know, here we are at the end of the season and, you know, we may not play much longer, you know, hopefully we play for another month. We might only play two more games, but, uh, I, I, I know that these guys are going to give everything they have every single day they show up. And that's kind of the MO we have here. And, I think some of that came from my experience with Izzy to never take things for granted and never get complacent and, and, and live life to the fullest each day, but also um, to really love those people around you and uh, make sure they know you love them because you never know when you're not going to be, be with them anymore. So, um, you know, I think my players, a lot of coaches, and this is just my opinion from my experience, um, a lot of coaches put up a facade or a wall. They have a hard time being very personal with their players. And it's I think a lot of times it's because of the – um, the the role of a coach, the authority, the authoritative figure, the authoritative role. It's hard sometimes to take those walls down and be, um, you know, to be on the same level as your player to like show them love or compassion or like give them your true emotions. Um, and so with my daughter, I kind of learned that, you know, that, that, uh, I'm not going to hide my emotions. I'm going to be who I am. And so my players, I think, see that in me. I'm very authentic and real. I believe with them. Um, I tell them how I feel, whether it's good or bad. I make sure they know I love them. I make sure they know when I'm I'm upset and mad at them, and I have to kick them in the butt. And uh, it's a family, so I treat my my players like my own kids, and um, I think that causes our relationships to be a lot closer and a lot more tightly bound. And um, that helps us on the field for sure. They trust me. They know that when I'm telling them something or coaching them on something that it's coming from a very authentic and real place. But I'm not telling them this so that we can win more games necessarily. I'm telling this because I love them and I want them to get the most out of their bodies and their careers and their opportunities. It's uh, it's not about me. It's about them and them reaching their full atten- full potential. So um, I think that's a very important part of the coaching p- puzzle that coaches sometimes miss is they have to build that relationship first so that the player will truly believe in them and trust them. And a lot of coaches maybe miss that. They, they, uh, they keep that distance from their players because they don't want to be too emotional or connected because you have to make hard decisions as a coach. And when you're really emotionally connected, sometimes it's hard to make those decisions. Uh, but I'd rather, I'd rather have to make hard decisions and be really tied in and close to my players than, than to miss out on all those relationships. So on a, on a, just a, out of curiosity, dad to dad, father to father, do you, you and Allison um, as parents, how over the years have you um, talked about Izzy with with Ellie and Holden, your your son and daughter? How how do y'all as a family uh, carry her every day in your lives? We talk about her all the time, so we have pictures of her around our house. Um, you know, we uh, our daughter Ellie is there. You know, you having twin daughters, you'll you'll I, I don't know what ages they are. You said four, I think maybe. Yeah, four going on fourteen. So, yeah. yeah, I hear you. So as <laughs> as they get older, um, you know, obviously we didn't get to have Izzy that long around. But with Ellie, she feels this connection to Izzy all the time. Like she can feel her. She can sense her. She There's this twin yeah. magic that they just know about. And so that's been yeah. both good and hard with Ellie because Ellie feels like she's missing a piece of her a lot of times. She's opened up to us about that and told us that she feels like she's missing something or missing a piece. And that's really hard to to hear and and you don't know how to help her cope through that. But at the same time, she talks about Izzy all the time. She, she tells us she sees her in dreams or she'll, 
you know, uh, she'll hear her talking to her and, and that kind of stuff always kind of warms your heart. Like you don't, you know, we're all, we don't know what's going on in the world. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe what I believe. And, and I believe people have free will to believe what they want. But, you know, I, all I do know is that this world is way bigger and more complicated than I will ever understand. Um, but I, I, it does warm my heart when I hear Ellie tell a story about how she saw Izzy in her dream last night and Izzy was doing this or that. And it's like, I don't know if that's real or not, but that's amazing either way. And uh, so it, Ellie, Ellie and Izzy are very, they, they, there's still a connection there, even though Izzy's not with us anymore. Um, Holden, he's, a, he's much more shy about it or maybe uh, quiet about it. But, um, but we do a birthday thing every year. We release balloons on our birthday. Um, and then that's always a, a really, we have all of our friends from church and family members and cousins and everybody, they come over and we get a bunch of pink balloons. Um, they all write a message on each balloon to her. And then we release the balloons up in the air and they, they go off into the sky. And um, so that's a, that's something we do every year. But, um, you know, we, we definitely talk about our life. I get a chance to speak a lot. I, I get asked to go to churches or FCAs or whatever and, and speak. And, and then normally I go and give my testimony and I talk about Izzy because she's a big part of my life and my testimony. So um, that's therapy for me in some ways, but it's also an honor to talk about her and to, and to have her spirit and her life be continued on. And, um, you know, the things that she went through and, and how that impacted our family and our community. Um, she, she was an amazing little girl. So um, we, we never shy away from talking about her. Isabel. The name is Isabel. I S A B E L was what we named her, but we, she went by Izzy. We called her Izzy. I Z Z Y. Which for those that don't know uh, in Hebrew, Isabel, uh, the meaning of the name Isabel is, Devoted to God, yep. which is something that is really unbelievable um, or believable, however you want to actually look That's at right. that. That's right. Um, Landon, w- did you always know that you wanted to coach after playing? I kind of did, yeah. You know, my dad was a coach, so he coached high school football and baseball at Apex High School and then uh, got into umpiring. And, and then I met Coach Tanner and Coach Toman, and they were just big mentors in my life. And I always looked up to both of them in major ways. And, um, so, and then when I was playing, you know, I was people, coaches, whoever, teammates, they would always say I was a coach on the field. You know, I I had that, I had that, uh, leadership skill, I guess. And so I kind of thought I would maybe be a good coach one day, but I didn't know when I, when I, when I got done at my end of my career, I was, my last year playing was for in AAA with the Mets. I got sent to AAA. I was the last guy cut in spring training and, uh, they sent me to AAA. I was in Las Vegas. Uh, me and Reese Havens were on the same team there. Yep. Um, so that was a lot of fun being with Reese, but it was not much fun being in AAA in Vegas, I can promise you. Um, <laughs> Vegas is a fun place to visit for three days, but you don't want to live there. It's uh, it's miserable <laughs> to live there. But I had a coach named Wally Backman, and uh, yeah. he's, he's he's YouTube famous for his yeah. uh, his ejections. But Wally was a great man. He was a great manager. Um, I really, I really uh, I had a great time getting to know him and, he kind of told me that I should be a coach like that year. He, he, he's told me several times, like you, you should be a coach. You should manage like you're going to be good at this. And um, yeah. that was kind of the year I was deciding Izzy had passed away before spring training. I knew this was probably my last year. I was just grinding it out and I was ready to go home and I was trying to figure out, okay, what's next. Am I going to sell insurance? Or am I going to, am I going to start a business? Am I going to coach? Like, what am I going to do? And uh, Wally was one of those kind of voices that was telling me you should coach that, that I would be a, a great servant to the game. And uh, I had a lot of coaches that came before me that were servants to the game that paid it forward. And, and I think made this game better, including coach Tanner. 
And uh, so I felt like if I could do that same thing, what an honor to the game that would be to to just do my part and try to pay it forward. And, and uh, I love the game of baseball. It's been a part of my life since I was a little tiny kid. And um, I'm grateful I chose this path because I'm, I'm loving it. I enjoy what I do every day. I don't feel like I go to work. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I love. And, uh, and I could be happy sitting right here doing the same thing for the next 20 years. And I, I don't need the fame or the fortune or any of that kind of stuff. I just love coaching and being on a baseball field and, I love watching these kids kind of fulfill their dreams and do things that they've always wanted to do. So um, I think I got the best job in the world. Lana, we'll let you run on this one. Uh, Just about the university of, of South Carolina itself, obviously, you know, you played and did everything that you did there achieve under coach Tanner. Um, Describe South Carolina baseball. It's where it is. Um, or I guess I guess let me let me put it different. The word identity gets thrown around a lot in the world today, Landon. Um, isn't that interesting? Uh, how how would you describe and identify the University of South Carolina's baseball program in the grand scheme of college baseball in this country? Man, um, I think I think it's a premier program. And I think that uh, it's it's you know it's really hard to stay on top all the time. That's just mm-hmm. look at any sport. Show me a team that's just stayed on top nonstop and never fallen. I mean, Alabama football has had an incredible run, but you know now they're maybe slipping a little bit. And people are talking about they're not going to be great this year. The Patriots football, you know, New England football had an incredible run, but now they're struggling. Um, UConn basketball was un- untouchable forever and ever, right? But then comes along Don Staley. So um, it's hard to stay on top. But I think South Carolina is an upper echelon program that everyone will always consider one of those top-notch programs. We've had a couple down years that everybody, included the coaches, the players, they know that, that that's not to par with what we expect as Gamecock fans. But, um, you know, but here we are this year. We've been a top-10 program all year. And – dealing with injuries and, 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 you know, maybe guys going in some slumps, that's part of sports, that's part of baseball, but they've still put together a great resume and I'm encouraged about what they're doing this year. I think they're right back on track. Um, you know, I was texting with Wingo not too long ago and I was like, man, this is, this is South Carolina baseball. You guys look like the team that you're supposed to be, you know, the, the, all of my guys that, that built this program and, you know, came before you guys, like we feel like this is what it's supposed to be and, and we're happy to see you guys back on top. So I know they've had a cuff, a really tough go late, but that's sports. That's how it goes sometimes. I mean, you can't win them all. You can't stay on top the entire season. It's really hard to do that. But, um, you know, I, I, I think about there's a saying Yogi Bear used to always say, and, and I think it's very pertinent that a lot of fans – I wish fans understood because I know fans are hard and Gamecock fans expect to win. And I, and I'm, I expect to win. And then, so losing is not fun, but Yogi Bear used to say in major league baseball, 50, uh, every team, every single team, first place or last place, they're going to win 50 games. They're going to lose 50 games. It's those other 50 that decide what they are, you know? And, and that's just baseball. You're not going to go, you're not going to go 56 and 0. You know, and South Carolina's had an incredible season this year. They they have the talent and the ability. They've had some injuries. Once they get everybody healthy, I really believe they're going to be making some noise in the in the postseason. And I hope to see them back in Omaha. 
Yeah, yeah, you know Omaha pretty well, and and I know there's a lot of people who'd like to make that trip back out there. It's it's been a little while, and they certainly have had sort of struggles in the last couple of weeks. But this team's good, Landon. We know that. You know they've got they've got good pitching, and and you know what, they got a pretty good catcher too. Cole Mercine has come a long way. Yeah, he's a good. He's a very good player. I think he's doing a great job. Don't love the hockey mask and don't love the mullet thing, uh, but uh, outside of that, yeah, he's. You can tell it's different when he's back there, and that was one of the things when we were talking about earlier, just catchers and how it's different when you get somebody you're comfortable with that understands you and all that type of stuff. Hopefully, everybody caught that. I saw so, him play a lot in high school, and I, yeah. I really, uh, the thing I loved about him is not necessarily his bat speed or power or arm strength. He has a, a competitive fire against uh, about him. He he is that he wants to win. He wants to compete. He's it's not fake. Like he's a bulldog, and you know I, I that's when I recruit. When I recruit, I look for those kind of things in players. I'm looking for those intangibles that like you can just tell certain players have that it factor. Some guys are front runners. They're pretty boys. They're whatever it is, and then there's those other guys. They're dogs. And uh, Cole Messina, I remember the first time I saw him. I think he was a sophomore in high school and. You can tell right away he's a dog, and uh, he, he was going to fight and compete all the time, and he's doing that at the college level, so I, I'm, I'm glad he's wearing the Gamecock uniform. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Hopefully they can start putting it together tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow night, as a matter of fact, at 7.30 in Tigerville, that is when North Greenville will host either uh, Mount Olive or Georgia Southwestern. Again, North Greenville, the number one seed, the best record in the country. Uh, Landon, y'all sit at 44-8. and eight entering the uh, Southeast Regional this weekend. And if you win that, you'll get the winner of the Newberry Regional. And uh, hats off to the Wolves and what they've done with that program down there as well. It's outstanding for our state uh, with baseball and and how it's it's all really come together. We kept you for um, 45 minutes longer than we planned on keeping you. Um, but I, but I, there was, I mentioned to, to JC who actually had to step out for some emergency work stuff or else he would have been in here. And Phil, before I was texting them, I said, we got to get right on time because I really have a laundry list of stuff that I, I'd like to, to get through with Landon. You and I have actually never officially spoken and met, although all the people, you know, almost, and all the people I know almost are our same friends, um, which is just unbelievable. I mean, I've talked to Drew and Soup and Kip and all these guys about you. I don't even know how many times, um, and and Smoke and everybody in between. And uh, and for whatever reason, we've never been in the same room. But hopefully, that can change soon. We're pulling for you. Always have and always will. Um, you know, if you ever need anything, you you now have my number, so you can text anytime or call me, uh, Landon. But um. You know, hopefully y'all win another national championship. We're going to continue to monitor everything. And, um, you know, if, you, if you'd if be willing to uh, hear a little bit further down the line in the playoffs, we'll, we'll get you back on and let you update everybody on what's going on so we can get the, the great Palmetto State behind you, okay? We'd love that. I, I, it's an honor to be on with you. I really appreciate you having me. And I, I always love talking to fellow Gamecocks and, uh, you know, thinking about some, some fond memories, some things I don't always get to think and talk about too much. So, uh, it's been a pleasure, and I would love to come on anytime you need me. So, well, after the season, we'll do like a, we'll get like a round robin type thing. We'll get maybe see if Drew and Bush or Soup or Kip or whoever see if we can get all of y'all in together, and we won't say anything. We'll just let yeah, y'all just sit back and listen, right? You yeah. know, let y'all tell the stories of Omaha, and you might you know, want to have. This, 
so we can this is does it go out live or can we edit things because you yeah, might want to put that on like a delay or something but no that would be a blast <laughs> that would be a lot of fun it is live but it's it's okay i mean well i tell you what if we plug coach tanner in how much will we need to edit it Whew. coach tanner probably wouldn't want to sit in that one he he uh i don't think he wants that <laughs> no, so, hey, he, it, he it can't is... he can't punish run us anymore he, he doesn't you know he doesn't have that authority <laughs> over us anymore so we might we might have some things to say so now uh that would be a ton of fun i'd love to do that that's that's what's funny is watching him dressed up on tv and then i'm like Oh, you never, nobody ever heard him in the dugout, did oh, they? Old, old and I, I probably have more than most because I've known him a, a lot longer. So I, I can tell you some stories, but um, <laughs> yeah. I won't. I, I, I'll, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, there's a code. There's certain things you don't talk about, yeah. right? So, that's right. What happens that's... in the locker room stays in the locker room. So. <laughs> Usually. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to. These days, everybody pulls a cell phone out, you know, so they can make sure that they're, you know, treat it equally or whatever <laughs> um landon thank you go get them this weekend brother we'll, uh, we'll i appreciate it soon. thanks for having me on guys you got it yeah, man. You go, landon you. Powell, uh the best to ever do it behind the plate at south carolina and he has turned into one of the best coaches uh in college baseball at north greenville university again 7 30 tomorrow night if you live in the upstate and you can get out there and watch them play they'll get mount olive or georgia southwestern and the way that that bracket sets up is the four and the five, Mount Olive and Georgia Southwestern will play at 3.30 tomorrow. And um, here's how – this is what I love about this bracket. I've always I've always found it interesting that, you know, the, the winner gets the number one seed. Like, why punish the winner? Punish the loser. <laughs> well, that's what they're doing here. The loser has to turn around and play tomorrow night the best team in the tournament, <laughs> North Greenville, <laughs> and then the winner – uh, we'll, we'll advance and wait that. So, um, uh, go Crusaders and, um, you know, anybody that was really looking forward to bitching and moaning about something else or complaining about running backs. I apologize to all of you that we kept landing for a hour and a half almost, it seems like, but, um, you know, if you couldn't enjoy that conversation, then probably gotta find something else to do. Uh, that was as good as it gets. And he is the best of the best. There's no question. So quite an honor to have Landon Powell on our program. Phil, I have no idea how we're going to get all this stuff in, but we will hit a timeout now. We'll see if we can't get JC back, and uh, we still got 30 minutes to go. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs, and I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. 
in-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more. They sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to travelingcountryclub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring to you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you 
right now by <laughs> us <laughs> and live from the Sinorama Studios. <laughs> Holy moly. I'm all confused after that, man. I don't even know what, I mean, what time is it? What uh, <laughs> what hour are we in? Where's she JC? Touched my leg? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what has happened to JC. I, I, I certainly hope he's okay, but um, I, yeah, no. so, yeah, I know he had to jump off and deal with some no stuff. Feeling. But uh, yeah, we are teed up by travelingcountryclub.com. It's the coolest club in the Carolinas. Almost 45 golf courses to play between North and South Carolina. It's not a sales pitch. I don't know how else to say this. If you play golf and you're not in this club, I don't really know what you're doing. I mean, I, it's, it, to be honest, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like it's yeah. a steal of all. If you steals. play more than one round a month. Yeah, I was. I turned one of my friends on to this. He was like, "Man, this. If you play more than a round a month at at a it's decent just, golf course, you need this. Yeah, <laughs> it will save you money. <laughs> yeah, it's the steal of steals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, we uh, we encourage all of you to uh, to make sure you jump in on that. Again, really, a lot of thanks to Landon Powell for uh, joining us in our Born to Crow. Uh, Carolina conversation this week in conjunction with Michael Haney and his song born to crow. And of course he wrote that song for the just a chicken book series. So all Gamecocks are kind of intertwined here and, um, and, uh, really, 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 he had a lot of good stuff to say for those of you. And I'm glad he, I, I didn't know if he would want to get that deep into, uh, what happened with Izzy. I remember when they were going through that, um, like I said, I, I, Landon and I have been around each other, never actually sat and talked. It's crazy to even think yeah. about that. I can't even like, I still don't to this day understand how that's even happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember when they were going through that and, um, and, uh, God. and I just wasn't sure how much he would want to get into it, but uh, the Powells have been very open and he did mention, and if you have not seen this, um, if you've not seen the the E60 interview that they did, Tom Rinaldi did. Tom Rinaldi makes everybody cry. He's always done this, um, but it is it really is good. And I actually went back and watched it a couple of days ago. Just got, I hadn't seen it in a while. So if you Google it, Landon Powell E60, it'll come up, and um, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty pretty tar- pretty tough to watch. But they've they've done a an amazing job. So um, pretty good, yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, as for football, uh, South Carolina, of course, yesterday uh, did miss out on Logan Diggs, and and they also missed out on Sharko, who's headed to Kentucky. And and we we're we're really hoping JC can kind of fill in the the gaps from here. Here's what I know, and and and, and had a feeling this was uh, going to happen with Diggs. Wasn't really sure on the Sharko situation. I, I don't have a lot of information on that. Um, but um, the the digs thing that was the the fact that Carolina had even gotten it to where they got it was actually really remarkable. Uh, my source on that was not shocked necessarily to see him take the visit. It the shocking part was how far that visit went with him with Diggs and his family and the fact that it really became a kind of a a tug and pull type situation of man are we really going to do this we really going to go to Columbia South Carolina and go play for the Gamecocks and quite frankly 
if it wasn't as far away as it is, I, I don't know that he wouldn't be playing for South Carolina right now. Um, very similar to how Carolina has landed some players in the past that, you know, as much as everybody wants to convince themselves that they they came and played here because that was choice number one, it was really because it was their home state school and they wanted to be a little bit closer to home, even though they might have liked some place a little bit better for whatever reason that may be. So, you know, they missed out on him. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to read things like, you know, fire this coach and that coach, Hardesty, blah, blah, blah. I, they weren't going to get him. And the fact that they even – and the source that I have on this, as a matter of fact, Phil, said that actually Montario Hardesty was one of the main reasons why he was even still considering South Carolina as hard as he was. Right. He wanted to play for him, um, but it was just too much to come from Baton Rouge. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But um, yeah. so they got to go find another running back. They're going to find one, uh, and, and and they'll go from there. It's just a matter of when it lands. But uh, yesterday, 0 for 2. Yeah. He did get a preferred walk-on uh, transfer from Mercer, though, so another – yeah. Big O lineman, yep. <laughs> to block yeah. for whoever's going to run. Here's the thing: I, I think the the longer this goes, the more pressure gets put on. Obviously, the the running backs that are in the room right now, but I think the the pressure on uh, DJ Braswell increases and mounts. I mean, this guy's gonna he's gonna be relied on a bit more than he probably figured he would. I don't think he's gonna be if they don't find another one. Uh, He's probably not going to be able to redshirt at all. You're going to need him uh, just because we know this is an injury prone position and and he's going to have to get out there and and get it. But uh, I like the kid, Uh, you know, and, and, and I I guess one of the biggest things that we think about too now is it's kind of all on logins. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to, you know, you gotta, you gotta make the best with what you have. And uh, we'll be able to see how he adjusts to, uh, you know, doing more with less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right. You know, Braswell's going to have to come in and play. I mean, that's the way that it seems, at least at this point. But, Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, they're going to – there's still a lot of confidence in that building that they're going to sign a running back. And and they will. They're going to sign one. And and who's that going to be? I don't know. but you know they they took their shot with what they thought was the best available running back, and they didn't get him. And um, and so we'll kind of see where it goes from here. But um, nonetheless, uh, I don't think. Again, you know, this is just my source. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of hanging heads in that building today because they didn't land either one of those guys yesterday. Uh, they 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 have a plan that they're going to continue to work through in order to go get one. So. Yeah. You know, we'll kind of we'll kind of see see what happens here, and and uh, we'll go from there. Um, in the Nana Sports chat box here, <laughs> Xavier said, uh, "Since I had kids, I can't watch that kind of stuff." I'll take your word for it, JB. Obviously, referencing Landon's story. Um, yeah, I mean, it's but it, it yeah, it's it's tough, but it's uh, you know, it's Landon's one of our own, so you get a chance to watch it. You know, make sure you make sure you check it out. Um, Clint said, I'm no fan of Hardesty, but I don't blame him for not getting digs. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Very yeah. fair there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's not the one to blame for this at all. 
Um, uh, Craig had to go to the bathroom um, because uh, he didn't want to get in trouble for crying at work, which is understandable. <laughs> Ryan says, hardesty a joke. Uh, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, Corey said, sumo is a bigger miss. Obviously talking about Sharko, the kid from um, – from yeah. NC State. Yeah, I, I think that that one is certainly a uh, – I, I would like to know – you never you never really know, but I, I would like to know if they were waiting on digs and then that led him to somewhere else or, you know, it's very possible, Phil, that maybe he just wanted to go somewhere else. Uh, Kentucky, of course, just lost both of their running backs in smoke and um, – Rodriguez, Chris Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yeah. I was like, oh, man, I can't forget that Sir. name. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just hate to lose anything to Kentucky, period. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's an off-season battle for a recruit, sure. you know, or a transfer. But, I mean, we don't know, JV. It could be NIL. It could be, you know, maybe Stoops told him he'd guarantee him playing time. I mean, you just – we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just you, – you, you don't know. And And – and the portal situation, you know, you, you never know anymore. Um, people get in and out of the portal for reasons we just can't even begin to explain. Yes, some of it has to do with NIL. A lot of it also doesn't. So we'll just have to kind of see where they go from here. Uh, Michael says, I told the board. I'm assuming you're talking about the message boards. Probably uh, message board, yeah, got to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Diggs was always going to LSU and got blank on. Um, yeah, you know. Message boards are so toxic. It's, you know, many times I've just you put your phone in your pocket and walk away. <laughs> just I mean, turn it off. I know. <laughs> the, the people that won't say the things to your face that they can't wait to type behind a keyboard. That's the world we live in now. Um, Xavier said, Diggs went to play at home and play for a coach who recruited him out of high school. I don't blame him. I hate losing Sharko to Kentucky, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that, that, that certainly, um, and I, I like that kid from from NC State, no doubt. So we'll yeah. see who they go after, yeah. and we'll see who they get. BRC says maybe Braswell will be the next Quinshaw Judkins. Maybe will be. Maybe he'll be the next. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, Walter Payton. Let's go with Walter Payton. You can go Payton. Yeah, that's he'll be, right. He'll be the next Walter Payton. How about that? George Rogers. He'll be the next big George. Now that would be something. that would be something. Um, all right, let's <laughs> Bill. No, that was not a bug on my head. It was a little piece of the foam on my uh, headphones. Good catch, though. <laughs> <laughs> now it would be funny if you did splatter a bug on your head. That would make yes. this thing full circle. <laughs> no question. All right, uh, let's hit a. Uh, is this our final timeout? We technically have two, but we could probably get away with one. Yeah, yeah let's. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll squeeze in our last one here. Um, we'll make it up tomorrow. That's that's okay. I think we'll get away with that. So, yeah. we'll squeeze in our final time out of the afternoon. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. Hats off to my main man Hayne, who yesterday went and bought two from Michelle two. and her team. At uh, Electric Bikes of Charleston. Really, really, really appreciate that. Uh, I know they do. And we also know there's been actually quite a few of you that have gone over there and given your business to Electric Bikes of Charleston or Charleston Fitness Equipment, both owned by the Wilkins family. They are Gamecock fans. 
you know, one of the things we try to do around here with our partners is make sure that we're speaking to the blue collar folks in America and in the, in this fan base and in our state. And, and these guys do it as well as anybody. So we really appreciate all of you who give your business to our partners and we appreciate our partners for giving their business to us. Means a lot. Means a lot. And uh, then we can do things like have Landon Powell on for an hour like we did earlier today. So really appreciate that. Appreciate Electric Bikes of Charleston. We appreciate you. And we also appreciate this quick time out. We'll be right back. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. Endless summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Colmacina from the Yardcocks. Electric Bikes of Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. I've, I got some so much stuff going on all around me all the time, man. I'm sitting there, I'm laughing at something. And like, we still don't know where JC is. We have no idea what's happened to him. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever done a show where my co-host like literally vanished in the middle of the show. <laughs> no text, no call. I mean, it's like I got I got catfished. Like what happened here? 
<laughs> now, I, I used to host a morning show in Charleston where I had a co-host that didn't occasionally show up. That just didn't show up right, yeah. Dude, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, man. And then blame me when he got fired. I was like, yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we, we had a 6 a.m. show. This was before I got moved to midday on ESPN. And I'm not going to say who it is because I have a lot of respect for him. And he's done really well in his career. Um, he's in a major market, and he's done an outstanding job. But we had a 6 a.m. morning show on our sister station, which was uh, 1450 a.m. at the time. And they were just – I'd get a text at like 555 that he's not going to be there. <laughs> and I'm like – uh okay <laughs> um so you're on one side and i'm on the other side and i have the controls so i have to host this and produce it and take phone calls and look up stuff on the internet and do all these other things oh yeah it was not it was that was really hard like i don't even know how to explain this like that is the hardest thing I've ever done professionally, literally hosting a show for three hours, like it's radio. You know, you you can't just not talk, right? Right. And yeah, we can't. <laughs> and at that point in time, we had two minute commercial breaks. We had four an hour, mm-hmm. so you're talking about fifty two minutes of content you got to fill for three hours. So, you know, uh, basically almost three hours of content. It's 6 a.m. Nothing's happened in the day yet. Yeah. And yeah, there's not just, very many callers at 6 a.m., are there? Yeah. I mean, I was <laughs> begging people to call. I mean, like, literally, dude, I don't care. Call me and tell me about what you're eating. Call, I mean, like, you, I, I mean, you had to get so creative. I was on the air and you couldn't see me back then. It was just radio trying to find stuff on the internet, like audio to play for the night before and texting anybody and everybody I knew to see if I could fill a guest in. Like we'd always have a guest scheduled, but I'd try to find another two or three. Right. <laughs> Dude. And you're doing a whole board that has 10,000 buttons on it. It yeah, was brutal, exactly. man. Brutal. Yeah, it's a lot harder than what it is that I do to get this thing off and running. I'm, although I am glad we don't have a brutal we and I work- telephone calls. Jeez. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that was the other things you didn't know who was calling, you know. So you mm-hmm. like, but if you if if somebody's trying to call you, you can't answer the phone on the air. <laughs> like you can't. So no. you'd have you'd take in order to take a call, you'd have to be able to play something while you're taking the call. So you'd like, okay, take the calls during the break and then put them on hold and bring them back from break and try to carry a conversation on with them. You had to be really creative, and I can say this publicly because he can't do a damn thing to me. And, but I worked for an absolute idiot who like literally could have cared less. So <laughs> he could have done something to me then, but now nothing. Can't do nothing. Not a damn That's thing. Right. Can't touch me now. That's yeah, right. Can't touch this. <laughs> uh, let's see here on the Nanosports chat box. Uh, Michael says, I know that uh, women's basketball isn't y'all's groove, but I really think Chloe Kitts is going to be the real deal, and I think she needed a red shirt last year. No, yeah, for sure. She could play, and she's on the U19 uh, national team that just got mm-hmm. selected 
Um, so yeah, hats off to her. I agree. And, um, and then he goes on to say, I know JB, I know who you are. My bad. Uh, uh, I hope that's good. <laughs> uh, I, uh, y'all know who we all are at this point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I certainly appreciate that. Trung says happy belated birthday, Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> Thank you, Trump. Thank you. I've heard all the nicknames. Phil's an easy (laughs) I like classic Phil, though. That's the new one. It's not a play on the name. It's nice. (laughs) Classic Phil. I mean, I and I would have I would have left that up there, but I wanted the Sarge to be behind me for Landon. Well, of course. (laughs) Because that's where he played. I, I said it multiple times today, and I, and I mean it. I mean, Ryan Bordenick, Brandon Pack, um, Whitaker had – he mentioned Whitaker's senior year. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, Trent, uh, Endo, Griner. I mean, I, you know, look what Messina's doing right now. I mean, my gosh. I mean, they, South Carolina has had some unbelievable uh, – catchers over the years from a and Brandon Pack was man he was good he was so good none of them none of them were as good as Landon it wasn't even close uh he was and we could have really gone into like a lot more of that stuff and I hope everybody enjoyed kind of like the baseball talk I was trying to remove myself from it as much as I can I hope that didn't come across wrong to anybody but certainly wanted to make sure that we could kind of engage a little bit back and forth to have the conversation, the ins and outs of catching and the art of it. Um, really wanted him to explain it because he's Landon Powell. But, um, gosh, Phil, I remember watching him, uh, you know, in high school, and um, that was who I tried to be, mm-hmm. the way he did things, even even from just a receipt. I used to catch the ball and hand it underneath my leg and just toss it back to the pitcher fluidly, and people always made fun of me for it. And but I got that from him. Yeah. But it, but you know what it was? It had nothing to do with being cool. It had everything to do – it was just a mental flow thing. It was how I threw the ball back to make sure I hit him in the chest every time. Mm. Instead of, for whatever reason, just taking it out of my glove and tossing it right back, I always had to go underneath my legs. It was so weird. But um, – <laughs> and, and but, like, just, you know – you know, body angle and, and how Landon frame pitches. Um, Landon was never a, a puller or a tugger. He beat the ball to the spot. He always got out around it. He framed with his body, if anybody knows what that means. Um, he never showed up an umpire. He did all the things the right way that made it so fluid back there. And so if you didn't want to be Landon Powell, I'm not, and you were a catcher, I'm not really sure who you could find that would be better than him as an example he was the best catcher in college baseball for two straight years yeah uh it was unbelievable, unbelievable. yeah i mean it only goes to show that i mean you got to be good to play in the league so <laughs> that kind of yeah. says it all and then to catch a perfect game i mean yeah well there's only been 23 of those yeah exactly and <laughs> in the they were the ball era right yeah <laughs> they, and they were the 19th mm-hmm. and so there's been what four since then um it hasn't happened since 2012. Yeah, that that started a, a run of them, which was amazing, mm-hmm. you know. And and in that conversation, again, if you missed the conversation, please go back and listen to it. And I want you to tell all your friends about it. Uh, 
It's about Landon um, and, and our Born to Crow series. I hope y'all, by the way, I hope you enjoy this thing. You know, we're trying to get creative with you. Um, but, um, you know, that's why one of the questions was who called the game? You know, did you call it or did he call yeah, it? That's right. Yeah. Was he know, call? Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, uh, and he, uh, he, he said he got sh- sh- shaken off twice. Mm-hmm. So, and Dallas Braden was hung over. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not to mention. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, but, um, all right, we got an update on JC here. He's, yeah, he's been having to deal with some work stuff. Uh, yeah. Pretty important work stuff, it appears, as well. So maybe it's good news. I'll find out what it is here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's Thursday. Thank God. I have no maybe. idea what we have on the docket tomorrow. I can't even think past an hour from now. But oh, I know this. It'll be yeah. good. It'll be fun. Yeah. Chris Phillips, that's it. So high energy. High energy. I think. I think it's yeah. Chris Phillips. I don't think we had to reschedule this week. Anyway, we'll get our stuff together and. And see y'all tomorrow at 11. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> As the music takes us out here, uh, Xavier. Uh, uh, Xavier said, all jokes, aside, all jokes aside, that was one of the best interviews you guys have ever had. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, yeah, man. It's the interviewee that does it. Or is that That would be Landon, right? the interviewee i'm the interviewer we're the interviewers yes the subject okay, yeah yeah it's the person that makes it not us uh, so certainly you appreciate the storytelling very well jb that's that's the good thing you know you the know how now? to get in and, the storytelling you know because that's what we all want to hear we just want to hear these guys get on there and tell their stories and you facilitate that well that's all <laughs> no 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 is it well look landon's a talker you know he'll talk mm-hmm. now so you yeah, know. some guests are easier than others. That's I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Landon's a talker. It's like Kip. Kip will tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but really do appreciate it. Appreciate all of you as well. Um, can't wait to be back tomorrow. And as Phil mentioned, Chris Phillips is tomorrow. We've got uh, Stuart Lake lined up on Friday. We also, by the way, are going to get a little little pop in from our friend Meredith Taylor on Friday. Hey. It is the PGA Championship. Oh, the championship. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Mara's going to be here. And as a matter of fact, she texted me earlier, and I haven't had a chance to text her back. So we're going to do that. And uh, she'll give us some insight as to what she's seeing on the course. One of the best weeks of the year for golf. And so we certainly look forward to that as well. For Faceless JC and Classic Phil, I am JB. Thanks again so much to Landon Powell for joining us today on our program. We look forward to seeing y'all tomorrow right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com.